Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, May 26, 2023. It's Dave Neal, and this is Bachelor Rush Hour. Hope everyone's doing well today. Driving home, got that bonus. Fat stacks of cash in your pockets. Metaphorically speaking, you guys ready to own this weekend? Gonna go see a movie, maybe a barbecue. You guys know me. I'll be flying to Nashville on Monday for my uh, for a podcast. I'll be there for a few days. Uh, but we do have a great interview for you on this episode today. I am not taking any time off here. We're going to jump right into that after a couple quick clips of other Bachelor news. The interview here is with Jess Ambrose, of course, co-founder of Chatty Broads and Your Mom and Dad podcast, an institution in the Bachelor world. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, the thing I was, I actually, I didn't want to leave you guys without this, but it's a, I've got the full video on YouTube. It's absolutely crushing it right now. It's my number one video of the week. It's Gabby and Rachel, Gabby, Wendy and Rachel Recchia speaking about their time and overcoming, you know, the bitterness that Rachel felt towards people that she felt wronged or maybe Clayton and Zach and things like that. But I'm going to play the clip for you where they throw Susie squarely under the bus. Have a listen to this. We'll get to the interview with Jess after that. Susie recently, Susie, like who's like the third of you guys mm-hmm. yeah. from Clayton season. Yeah. She recently said that she pictures a relationship between you and Clayton to have made more sense. Unhinged. Than, yeah, we heard that. I don't yeah. So they call Susie unhinged, or at least her take unhinged. Understand that. You don't um, have you really like that, that about like the guy you were with. Yeah, for it's just hard. Months. Yeah, that was hard, I think, for me to hear because. I mean, they had a really serious relationship for months Mm -hmm. and I obviously only knew Clayton on the show and what aspect that was. So I think that would hurt me in a way if I had heard someone say that about me who has dated me for that long, but I don't know. So she says she feels like Clayton should be offended. She says that would hurt Clayton. And it's like, you've moved past it. You've had a whole life outside of it. And I'm sure you've learned a lot from being on bachelor, but like you've had a lot of experiences since then. So just to kind of assume like, Oh, this should happen. is like really not taking you into consideration. Okay. And so I have to, I have to just play court martial Dave here. Gabby is her critical thinking on this issue is so far off. Okay. <laughs> we have to relist. Let's do this. Uh, let, let's do this. Let's go back to what actually was said here because they're taking an idea from Susie saying, oh, Susie said Clayton should date Gabby. Or sorry, Susie says um, Rachel should date Clayton. And that's just not what was said. And it was on the same podcast. While Susie said she's unsure if Rachel and Clayton would work out as a couple, she maintained that Rachel is more compatible with her ex than she is. Susie's comments came after Rachel and Clayton made headlines for their recent flirty reunion on TikTok. Rachel addressed the unexpected social media post on the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast, revealing she initially had no idea what to expect when she realized she would be reunited with Clayton. So... There's nothing about Susie's statement that is offensive whatsoever. Let's listen to Gabby's summation of that one more time. You've moved past it. You've had a whole life outside of it. And I'm sure you've learned a lot from being on Bachelor, but like you've had a lot of experiences since then. So just to kind of assume like, oh, this should happen is like really not taking you into consideration. So Gabby says to assume this should happen. So Gabby is saying that, Susie's not taking Rachel's feelings into consideration. 
Yikes. What do you guys think? I mean, I read the comments on YouTube, and it seems like most people agree with me that it was just really uncalled for, and there must be some deeper beef. A lot of word salad by Gabby Windy there. And speaking of salad, today's episode is sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you. Bring more flavor to your table this spring with Green Chef's wholesome, elevated recipes featuring seasonal organic produce and unique farm fresh ingredients. You know me, I've been doing the keto diet there, the uh, low carb and high fat. It's what keeps my brain fueled without the crash, but whatever works for you, they've got your options. Go to greenchef.com slash rushhour60 and use code rushhour60 to get 60% off plus free shipping, the number one meal kit for eating well. And without further ado, as you all know, Driving with Dave, it's been a bi-weekly interview segment where I pick up some Somebody in the Bachelor world, and maybe we'll uh, move beyond Bachelor, but uh, we started with Reality Steve, then we had Susie Evans, Katie Thurston, and now, good friend of the show, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy my chat, and by the way, if you want the video version, that'll be up on YouTube tomorrow, enjoy my chat with Jess Ambrose. Ladies and gentlemen, so excited today to be talking to someone I really admire, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Jess Ambrose. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I, I feel, okay, first of all, thank you. That means so much. Second, I don't want this to be an hour of me just telling you how much I am obsessed with you. We can do that if you want to. <laughs> Let's make it a two-hour podcast. Let's go. No, you know how much I admire you. I just think you're incredible. I'm also feeling like top of the world right now. I just got picked up by you in a car there's cameras I'm like what is life right now I thought you were gonna so say good. like you just got your podcast picked up for some deal no this, uh, is, this is better <laughs> this is better and the sparkling water you brought me a sparkling water like so like to full disclosure yeah I knew of your podcast chatty broads your old one now you're your mom and dad pod I knew of that before I knew of you so and I'm not saying I prejudged you but I do have a tendency of thinking I know someone based on nothing at all I feel like that's how we I mean I'm like that and you sent me a voice note and I had like this, you know, I'm married and I, I was like, I got a voice note from Jess Ambrose. <laughs> like, woo! I was just like, this is exciting. You're, you got that, you know, that, you know, you know that verified check mark oh uh, shows gosh. up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And you always had all these nice things to say, which doesn't form my opinion. Like I, like I, like I respect you for a, tr- a trillion different you would reasons. Have, you, would you have liked me if I sent just a scathing voice memo? I'm just like, Dave. Well, you never know. You <laughs> never know true. what people, and I'm it's like, true. I'm not necessarily... I mean, maybe I am defensive, but I'm like, you know, I've had, I've had certain run-ins with some people from your audience in, in all of Bachelor Nation, you know, you, you say Well, when you're thing. covering, I mean, when you're covering what you do, which is why, you know, I've talked to you about this, but why I love what you do so much is I feel like you do such a great job reporting the news. And of course, you know, you add in your comedy and your thoughts and takes, but I always appreciate it, even if it was about me. And I was like, well, you know what? Like, he's covering the news. Well, I try I try my best to only say something knowing I might see that person. I just, <laughs> sure. I think that's the way, not, not to say I've ever had any critique of you whatsoever, but, you know, I just want to, like, make sure I'm fair to people. But you seem to be the same version of what I do on, on what Chatty Broads was. You, you just seem very fair and wanting to, like, give everyone the best. Is that, a, is that like, the motherly energy for you, or have you always been kind of the, this peacekeeper? Well, you know, I think just naturally I like to hear both perspectives, and I like being a peacekeeper. What it used to be, I still struggle with this, was people-pleasing. That was always a huge issue for me growing up. I was like, I want everybody to like me. And then the older I got, I actually became more vocal about my, like, thoughts and takes, which gave me anxiety 
when we were starting the podcast. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is the first time that I'm going to say some stuff that people might not agree with or say things about my takes on a show. Um, which has actually been kind of a healing journey for me where I'm like, okay, you know, you need to speak your mind when you feel passionately about something. But I feel like I've done a pretty decent job in the years, like turning peacekeeping into what my personality really is, which is, I like to see both sides. I don't know if you're into astrology. I'm a Libra. I like the balance. <laughs> I like seeing both sides. Um, I would judge yeah. astrology more, but I've been known to wear like a like a like a like a good luck hat. You know, so I'm like, look, <laughs> you can have astrology. If I can have a, this gold chain, I, I have I'm two and zero on my baseball team with it, and I've had pretty good stand up since I got it. So a few now weeks you're ago, keeping and I'm like, it on. I think I have a lucky chain. It looks good too. <laughs> so this is my astrology. Oh, thank you. There yeah. you go. You got the chain. It brings you good luck. I'm all about it. I never had jewelry, but then I got the wedding ring. And then Tasha was like, you need a chain? And I was like, I actually do need a chain for, to hold a mic. You know, to hold my thing. Yes, and so, it matches the wedding ring. I'm yeah, like, I don't have mine go. on. I'm married, I promise. <laughs> so I want to I wanna unwind to your start with Chatty sure. Broads. How did this come about? Becca Martinez is obviously an alumni of the show. Yes. Did you, like, did you tell me how this all came out? Okay, so basically Becca and I had mutual friends um, when she moved to Los Angeles and those friends happened to be fans of the show. And so when they got to know Becca, she was like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be on the show. And they're like, are you joking? And so they were telling me, cause we used to all watch the show together. They're like, we've got a friend who's going to be on the show. And we were all excited. So I met her through these mutual friends and, you know, over the period of, I would say five or six months, every once in a while, when we'd all be hanging out, I'd see her and her and I, never had hung out alone, but we always kind of ended up going into a corner and talking for hours. And I was like, oh, this is somebody that I can just, I could talk for, for forever with, you know? And, um, one day I, at that point had been, uh, just, uh, you know, I was, had had Ember, my daughter, maybe two, two and a half years previously. I'd been working beforehand, but then in those two, two and a half years, I was a stay at home mom, which shout out hardest job. (laughs) And I was ready to get back out there and, uh, kind of be creative again. But, you know, because of having the kiddo, I'm like, I need something where I can have flexibility. I've always loved podcasts and my husband works in the music industry. So we had this studio that he, uh, would work out of in the back of our house. And I asked him, I'm like, could you set up like a podcast station for me if I wanted to do it? He said, sure. And so I'm trying to think, I'm like, I'm not going to do this by myself. And right away I thought of Becca. She was coming off the show. She had just announced that she was pregnant. Her and I had talked about being moms and our pregnancies and all of that. And I'm like, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And we were at the comedy store with a group of friends one night. And I just pulled her aside. I'm like, I know this is so random because we don't really know each other, but I'm thinking about starting this. Would you be interested? And lo and behold, she showed up the next week and was like, let's do this thing. And you guys created a, a real cultural movement there. I mean, your podcast is one of the biggest podcasts of all of Bachelor Nation. And w- at what point did you realize, like, oh, this isn't necessarily just, like, a fun thing to do, but this is, like, a business. Like, this is this is actually lucrative. You know, I would say right around we started recapping. The first season that we recapped of the show was Colton's. Um, before that, oh, I'm not familiar with this. How did that? Uh, <laughs> well, no. Let's let's go down memory lane. Um, no, I uh, we had done maybe about ten episodes, and we were having so much fun. 
And then we started recapping Colton's season and then the numbers started to really pop around then. And I'll never forget, I got an email from a uh, agency that puts out podcasts or that does ads for podcasts, excuse me. And they were like, hey, we'd like to take a meeting. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, there's money to be made in this. <laughs> I hadn't even really thought about it in that way. It had always just kind of been to me something again, like to have a creative outlet because I had been home with the kiddo and was ready for that. And so when I got that email, I was like, oh. And we will be back to our conversation with Jess after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay. And that's when it really hit. And I'm like, do I really get to do this for work? This is amazing. This is like a dream for me. I always loved radio. Like I said, I loved podcasts. So the idea that this is a way that I could make money was like, it felt like such a privilege and honor that people were listening. And Well, you know, I always, leap in the net will appear is one of my favorite sort of mantras. And mm. you have to, like, you can, by all means, compensation is fair. You know, if you're, if you're get, gathering that much equity in these many people, you know, that's a, that's such a powerful place to be at, but you have to, to get there, you have to be believable and authentic and you, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll do this all day long. <laughs> you, your, your vibrancy, the way you talk and communicate with people. Like, I feel like I've known you a very long time. How do, what do I do? There's a car in the way. Uh -oh. I have to back up. Okay, this is live, folks. <laughs> this is live. I can talk and do this at the same time. I don't know how you're no. doing it because we are going down some narrow roads and I can barely drive. In I know. Life. I think I can pull over right here for them. Um, but either way, this is the real life driving with Dave. Uh, so you, so I've only met you six months ago. I know that's kind of crazy. Well, I've, you know, I've been watching your content for a long time. So I felt the same way when you and I started talking, I was like, I feel like I've known this guy for so long, but then I also feel like too. Um, and I feel so grateful when this happens, when you actually meet people and you're like, Oh yeah, we like, we connect, like we can have long conversations. And especially since we are in similar arenas, it's so nice to then find like a friend where you're like, Oh yeah, we can like process through all the stuff and talk, talk shop, through, yeah. talk shop, do collabs. It's great. Yeah, no. And I mean it, but uh, my, my point was that you make your audience feel like they're a close friend of yours. And that is really complicated and hard to do. And in people, and again, your, your audience, like people don't realize how magical that is because it comes off so effortless is that like where is the where do the chops come from you don't just dive into a podcast and be that good at it wow that is high praise <laughs> thank you okay well with the talking part i just feel like i have never shut up my whole life so i was like what a mic here i might as well like i don't know if anyone's gonna be interested in this. what's your position as siblings wise i well for a long time i was an only child yeah. until i was about 14 and then my family adopted my little sister who's the love of my life uh, but we adopted her when she was newborn so i definitely it's like not an only child but i felt very much in a parental oh, yeah, you were, role. You were designed by that point. That's yeah, I mean, I was like the built-in babysitter. Yeah. Always. Sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. Oh, I no, just no. was curious where that if it, where that people pleasing might have fit in, and I don't mean that in any bad way. Hey, but. no, I I think a lot of it had to do with like the only child, and I was the only kid in the family, mm. which was wild. So it was just me. So I was just always with all the adults and all the adults' friends. So I felt like I think I had to behave a certain way. Um, all the time, you know, like an adult all the time. Now you and Evan, by the way, which we love, shout out to Evan. Love you guys come from a more 
Christian upbringing than you're now, and you met in that? Yes. Could you explain that dynamic? Yes. Okay. So Evan and I, I've known my husband, Evan, um, since we were probably about nine or 10 years old. We went to the same church together and our families were really good friends. And so I would you know, be in Sunday school with him my whole life. I always had a crush on him. Always. Of course. Was obsessed. I'd watch him from like, you know, the upper pews and look down and be like, oh my God, look at him. And he used to have this like bleached blonde hair and like, so hot. Um, he didn't feel the same way about me until we were a little older. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, we started dating when I was, oh gosh, 16. He was 17, I think at the time. And we dated for numerous years and then we broke up for like a year and a half in college, got back together and, you know, the rest is history as far as our relationship. I definitely feel really, I mean, you, you and Tasha have been together for so long, you know how it is. You kind of, you find your person, you're like, well, I really found my, my person. This is incredible. Um, so him and I were raised in that extremely conservative upbringing, what do, you, what do you define by extremely conservative? Um, oh my God. So, I mean, the type of, the type of school that I was at was, you know, had to wear a long sleeve, had to stand up, couldn't have the ankles couldn't be showing, stand up when an adult addressed you, had to wait for the adult first. Like, yeah. I mean, it was, it so, was pretty intense. So it would fall into the purity culture as far as... Oh, Beyond, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I ask because I'm from New England, and where I'm from, culturally, Catholicism was more just like, like, a, like, just it wasn't, it wasn't strict. Right. You could just apologize and you know whatever. Sure. Oh, sorry, sure. Yeah, sorry about that. But so I didn't have any too much of that sort of shame. But you hear people that they talk about their deconstructing yeah. of or or you know coming out of being a Mormon or whatever. And I didn't. There was never a time for me to need to admonish or say, I'm no longer X, Y, and Z because it was kind of like, eh, you know? So, but did you have that moment where you were, you had to like tell your family like what you were oh, feeling? Um, that was like a weekly sit down. Um, and how old were you at this point? At that point, it was as soon as I started dating someone. So my first boyfriend, I was like 14, 15. And I will say this, you know, my parents were definitely more on the more low-key end but still very strict like Evan's family was extremely strict it would be once Evan and I started dating we were having a weekly sit down with the parents to like check in that we were not breaking purity contract I had a card that I had to keep in my wallet <laughs> that I got when I was like 13 <laughs> yes then it was like you kept it like almost like a yogurt I would say it looked, looked like a, like a frozen yogurt stamp card that I would keep in my wallet to be like, you know, you're going to remain pure. Of course, I had the purity ring. Do they give you stuff. bonus points? Like if you buy seven coffees. So like if you like stay, if you stay a virgin for seven months, you get a free. Yeah, I get a bonus. Yeah, no, I wish. Yeah, the, the, those, there was no, there was so no benefit. we're talking early high school. What was your mm -hmm. archetype? Are we the hot artsy girl or the, like, where, what would you say you were in high school? Um, in high school, I would, I, <laughs> it sounds I feel like I just kind of fell in the middle of everyone. Like, I didn't ever feel like I had any sort of, like, niche. I think in that way, I felt a little lost. I hated high school. Hated really? It. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I had found my footing. So I was kind of just there. 
Like, I just kind of existed. I was in musical theater, so I definitely had my crew there. And then at a church, I was more involved at church. I was part of the worship team, so I was, like, hanging out with those kids. Um, But I was never... I didn't have a ton of friends in high school. Um, Not in the way that it was like, oh, my gosh, people were mean or anything. I was just kind of... I kind of kept to myself. I had, I think, around maybe 15 is when I started to really, really struggle with my mental health. And I really went just kind of introverted into myself and only let a certain amount of people in my life get close to me, I think. Do you think that mental health struggle, was it it related to any shame from the culture or was it just a product of growing up? I think it's certainly that didn't help. That's for sure. I know a lot of what I'm always breaking down is a lot of guilt and shame. I think... Um, it's something that like I'm genetically predisposed to. I've got that. Okay. Yeah, we had the same. <laughs> we, yeah. More with Jess after a quick word from our sponsors. You understand? I am in shock of people that can just say no. You know, Katie Thurston's good at this. Yeah. She'll just be like, no, that's not the deal. No, we're not. Gonna. And I'll be like, I would be like, I'm sorry. I got uh, my dog ate my thing. Uh, <laughs> I know. I relate to that so much. I can't say that's, what I feel. Yes. That's one of the things that I love so much about being around Katie because I'll watch her and just, she has these great boundaries and I'll be like, okay, writing that down as a note to use for next time. I'll be doing that. Yeah. yeah. No, I have such a hard time with that. My husband actually, he even though he was raised the way that, you know, we were, um, is very good at that as well. So that that's helpful for me. You know, skill sets, we're all different. And that's what a good relationship, you can have the negotiator versus the person who doesn't want to get on the phone, <laughs> right. you know, whatever. So you're feeling, you're feeling uh, mental, yeah. you're, you're starting to realize in high school, you've got some issues. Yes. Yes. Panic attack central for mm-hmm. sure. So I think I did. I mean, I did when I look back, miss a lot of high school due to not feeling well. Um, but I think even if I wouldn't have, I just, and maybe it's that middle ground type personality with me that I just kind of, I floated. I was the floater. I would kind of go from group to group a little bit. I had my core friends, but I felt like a lot of people, nobody like really disliked me too much. I don't feel like, but I also wasn't like beloved by like a group. Did you, I was like, this is my crew. Did you feel like being a part of like youth ministry? Mm-hmm. Did that give you guilt? Because at, were were you having to leave the church, or just did you um, were you more flexible with your your boundaries? Like, how did that all work out? So I think when I was really involved in. Again, it's the, you know, the very specific type of evangelical crew that I was in with our church. Um, I felt a lot of pressure because it was a little bit like eyes on you. So you have to be ultra good. Like, yeah, like pastor's daughter kind of exactly. vibe. Exactly. I was an elder's daughter. An so elder's daughter. I was an elder's daughter. Oh, so you know that high school, yeah. <laughs> all the guys coming after the elder's daughter. It was just like, it just very much felt like I've talked about Um, this now at an older age with some of my family members where I was like, you guys have to realize how traumatizing it can be to be a kid growing up and having random other adults coming up to you and telling you like, you did this and that's wrong. And I'm like, who are you? But they would know who I was. So they felt like this, Mm. you know, uh, ability to, or they felt like they, like I owed them explanations or that they could break down that boundary with me. I don't know. Um, so that definitely made it 
more challenging. It was the other uh, thing that's that's tough too is like the false affirmations where someone's like proud of you for having a purity ring or something. It's like they're telling you we we accept you because you have lived up to these standards, which should right. you know Ex- exactly exactly. So it's just all very confusing and damaging for you know the upbringing brain. Um, so you're a mom now. Mm-hmm. How do you not? shuffle that down because like we're thinking about having kids and yes. we don't want our kids to have I you know I asked Tashi today I was like will you let me put a baby inside of you and she was like baby yes oh. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about it for a while so I'm not blowing any uh, new information out there but you know we're not exactly like we haven't been racing to the uh, fertility right but the conversation has happened oh yeah, yeah 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 I mean we're we're not we're not spring chickens you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> I mean it's one thing to feel like you're young in LA but biologically oh my gosh I think about that all the time I'm like I'm so young right and then I'm like oh Tasha, hang out at certain parties I'm like oh my god no I'm in my mid-30s Tasha will be okay with you sharing this because she goes to a gynecologist and she was talking about, you know, we want to have kids, but we just got married. And the kind of college goes, oh, you've got time. And he opens her chair and he goes, no, you don't. That's <laughs> oh so rude. Yeah, no, but... Like they consider what, 35? They geriatric, call it the yeah. geriatric pregnancy. I'm like, can we stop? Can we give this a different Five name? Five years, please. My goodness, yes. All right, so because, you know, you want your kid to have, of you, course. you basically, and again, I don't have kids, so I don't mean to kidsplain to you, but no. you want them to be able to make decisions that will be good decisions when you're not around. So any, any amount of decision-making through force ain't going to help when they go to their first mall or whatever. So yeah, what's your, uh, what's your strategy there? You know, something that was, I I will say this, that was a huge fear of mine. Um, when I found out that I was pregnant, so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to parent? And something that Evan and I talked about is I was like, this is where we can stop the cycle. Mm. Like we can be the ones who break the cycle right now and trust I make mistakes every single day. And maybe the way that I'm choosing to parent, you know, is not the best way. I don't know, but I do know one day, regardless of how my parent, regardless of how I parent, my, my child will come to me and let me know like, Hey, these are the things you did when you were raising me that were damaging or that, you know, put me in therapy. And then we were, I was talking with my therapist about this and I'm like, the best that I can do is do my best in this moment. And then one day when my child comes to me and says that to hear her and be accepting and open and then take accountability for my own actions and not, you know, shut it down and be like, I did my best. It's like, no, I know. How defensive are our parents? (laughs) Do you have this? Do you have this with your parents? Like your mom? Yeah. You know, I, for a very long time. Yes. And in recent years, my mom, it's been really amazing. She's had a big life shift of her own and we've been able to have really healing conversations where she's like, I see now how that affected you in this way and that way. Um, which has been so wonderful and I'm so grateful for that. How beautiful is that? But, oh my God. Yeah. To the get defensiveness. There. You're like, I guess we're just not going to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, pass the cranberry sauce and we'll try again next Thanksgiving. Exactly. So yeah, with, with raising our child, the biggest goal for me is that my child knows that regardless, I will always love them. Oh, And that's the biggest thing to me because, you know, I don't know what my kiddo's life is going to look like or what path she's going to choose. And um, I think about our parents and how they were like, this is what you will do. This is how you will be. And if we didn't follow that, then there was pushback. Uh, Love could feel 
like it can be taken away. And I mm. never want my kid to feel that way. So that's, wow. that's my biggest focus with parenting. You know, and you don't know, like you don't know what your own triggers are. And a lot of times a relationship mm. will expose that. Yes. I know with mine, I, you know, I didn't realize how anxious I was with wanting Tasha's approval and she's and, and so the more I would try to smother her, she's like, get out of here. I, you know, she, cause she had that her whole upbringing. So yeah. she would need her own private time. And once you learn that kind of, you know, the way it all works in the blueprints, it's so much easier. How, how did you and Evan learn how to support each other when you're feeling triggered because you know, of the way you were brought up? But, you know, you were brought up, you were brought up in a similar, in the same church, but obviously it's, everyone's different. Yes. A lot of experimentation. <laughs> so we figured it out that way. I mean, I will say. So you tried throwing shit at each other. <laughs> That's an experiment. We were experimenting by Ikea furniture. Yeah. How are you going to handle this? No, I mean, for us, it was, um, I do. And him and I have talked about this a lot because we had a lot of friends who got married around the same time young, like we did, um, raised in the same, uh, with the same upbringing that, you know, have since gotten divorced. And we, I will say we do feel like for us, there is a large stroke of luck. Now we, we really worked hard in our communication, but at the same time, I think we happened to grow in the same direction at the same time. And we did get married so young that it's quite possible that we could have just grown in different directions and it wouldn't have been either person's fault. We were just maybe growing in different directions. We happened to around the same time go, you know what? This isn't for us. These are the reasons why we feel this isn't okay. And we're both ready to move on. And that's going to end some familial relationships and friendships. But, like, we got each other. And so, in that way, we feel very lucky that we went in the same direction. But then since then, you know, therapy has been huge. (laughs) Our own separate therapy of trying to figure out what those triggers are. And you mentioned, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, also then being able to name it. Like when we, Evan and I talk constantly, (laughs) like we always say, find the person you can talk with. That's the biggest thing to me. And so we just have spent so many hours talking through everything in ways that we feel and just trying to put words to what those triggers are. And then remember, like, we're in this together. We're supposed to be partners So we don't want to aggravate that trigger, you know, even though the temptation when, you know, I'm frustrated to be be like button, 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 but this is not going to be beneficial to either of us. Let's support each other. And that's a real faith in the the company, you know, the, 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 the faith of like, I'm not going to just try to tear this down or I'm not going to run away. Like we were committed and how quickly can we get to understanding? You mentioned like sort of shining sunlight into like the dark spots and you only, you don't see those until you get heavy into a relationship. You mentioned that chatty broads was a form of therapy. Could you talk about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. That was for me, like I said, this time where for the first time I felt like I was really using my voice and because of the people pleasing tendencies, I had really not spoken about the way that I feel about a lot of things. I was always really afraid to, I was afraid that people weren't going to like me and were going to judge me. And through so many conversations, um, with Becca, we talked about a lot of things that I had been so nervous to open up and share about. And I'll never forget 
the first time actually that I spoke about being bipolar on the podcast, I was really, really scared. I'm like, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. And the outpouring of messages from people who not only were just sending love, but also were working through the same thing. It was such a realization of community of like, we can feel, especially in this very social media esque world, so isolated, um, that with chatty broads, with the, with the audience, it was like, Oh my God, there are so many people out there that have the same church trauma, that have their struggles with mental health, with parenting, with, I mean, all the things. And that was just a, a, such a huge display of community to me, like unlike I had ever felt before. And I think, you know, when you were talking about uh, me feeling like connected to the audience, which I so appreciate that, I genuinely believe it's because I, I feel like I, I, I deeply feel that way. And I've felt just time and time again through different conversations, just a connection with and gratitude for all these people listening who are willing to in return share stories with me and share a part of their life with me every week. If that's listening to us for a couple hours, like it just feels like a really big honor and I feel really grateful for it. I, I relate so much that it's hard to explain that to people because like yeah. yesterday we went hiking and, um, someone goes, you know, we're in some trail in the middle of nowhere. And then someone goes, Hey Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and I turn around and go, huh? And I'm still in that mindset for my whole life of like, if you say my name, it's because you know me. And I'm like, who, who are you? <laughs> and <laughs> when the, did we meet? And she was, uh, her name was Catherine. And she goes, I, wa- I listen and watch all your mm-hmm. stuff. And I just want to do it. She's like, if I didn't say hi, I would have been. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. Just amazing to see that those people are out there. And it's not, it's, it's, there's so much to love. When I did your podcast, Your Mom and Dad, which of course is the offshoot from Chatty Broads. I had a show the next day in San Diego. I wasn't even promoting that show. I had about a dozen of your fans came to the show. I love that. And they were just the nicest people. And you just, like, you know, there's so much toxicity out there that mm-hmm. you don't realize that it is so outweighed by all the good. Oh. It's so outweighed. Yeah, and you know, it's, they've done all the studies, you know, that's it's the one negative comment that will stick to your brain and all the positive just can kind of flush away. But I, I, yeah, everything you're saying, when I have the opportunity to see someone in person who has, you know, listened to Chatty Broads, your mom and dad, that's when everything falls together for me. And I feel like it's like an old friend where you're like, oh my God, we know exactly where we're going in conversation because we've all, even though, you know, I'm just blabbing into the mic, we've all kind of been talking through this simultaneously and it's yeah, there's like so much such a common denominator yeah there. it's a connectivity that I think um I was lacking for a lot of my life so I think that that's I mean now you give me goosebumps I'm like Dave you're doing this is therapy Dave I'm on the couch right now I'm thinking now I'm like okay yeah with high school I guess I didn't feel like I had found my place and then with the church I felt really burned I guess this is really the first place that I, I felt community the church of jess ambrose oh god <laughs> tax right i thought about starting a church i'm gonna save a lot of money on taxes um no <laughs> so you you have had your show chatty broads has had some controversy just naturally because you have a bunch of audience and i've had the same sure. how did it feel the first time you had to deal with maybe um you know uh, that uh, a, a group of because you have a, you have the Facebook group and all these other communities Reddit right. uh, subreddit how did it feel like knowing 
that the people that don't agree with you are going to be vocal about it. Did um, you feel that ownership there? Yeah, that was really hard. Um, yeah. And I think it's hard for anyone. I know specifically with the way that I'm wired, like we were talking about with like, you know, wanting everyone to feel happy that that was really challenging for me. And that like mental health wise definitely took a toll. I think that's a reason why in a lot of ways I have taken certain steps back from social media to a certain degree. Um, I always say, I'm like, when a mistake is made, I want to take accountability and I want to have conversation about it. And that's one thing. There's a whole different other thing than where, you know, there's certain people out there and it's such a small percentage, but you know, who are just commenting on, you, you know, your, your Insta stories, just like, you're ugly. Like you're this, you're stupid. Like because of that, I realized how much of an effect it took on me. So I've taken certain steps back. And I think some of those situations would open the door a little more for that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it took a toll and it was a, it was another big moment in my adulthood and growth, I guess, because I think because of the way I was raised, my instinct is to be like, Oh God, Oh no. And like curl in a ball and, and panic and freak out. And through some of those circumstances and conversations that I feel really lucky to have with some of the listeners, I was able to be like, no, there are times when what needs to happen is I need to be present, have conversations. This is an opportunity for me to grow, learn from mistakes and face them like face on. And again, sometimes there are things that come up that you know, would cause a stir that I'd be like, I disagree with those points. And then that's okay then to put up my boundaries and be like, no, this is how I feel and whatever. But when I was like, oh yeah, no, I did make that mistake. It helped me, I think, learn how to not just, like I said, curl up in this ball and be like, oh no, everyone hates me. Everyone hates me. And not go, everyone hates me. Go, okay, Jessica, where was the mistake? What can you do? Where can you learn? Where can you grow? And we move forward. Yeah. I mean, for me, apologizing for something if I get something wrong is really easy yeah. I mean I don't know I don't have this the ego attached to that but I have I have told my wife like there will come a time where I will not apologize mm -hmm. for something I am not sorry for mm -hmm. because that's a bad precedent to set because you cannot please everybody yeah. and I always talk about cracking an egg to make an omelet and there's probably a reason why my channel hasn't passed 70,000 subs, you know, it grew from zero to 60,000 right away, right. but I've pissed off a lot of people, but I don't flippantly try to, I'm just like, if I see something that I think is wrong or whatever, I'm going to try to be as educated as possible. Right. Kind of like, well, you know, as a comedian on stage, you got to be ready to be heckled. So you better know your bit inside and out. Sure. And, and then just own it and stay true to it. Now you might change your mind later on and you can, you know, we're, we're not politicians here. We can change our opinions on things, mm -hmm. but it, you know, with an audience that consumes all of your content, the good is that you get to connect with so many people, but the bad is that there is this feeling like there is an ownership over you because you wouldn't be there without them. Right. And, and I, I think, oh, sorry, Greg, no, no, go for it. Oh no, I was just going to say, I think, and that's been, was this such a learning curve for me again, because of some of my past and having, having like eyeballs on me at the church all the time and being told what's right and how to react to certain things all the time. I think what I'm really grateful for is learning that there is a difference that not all criticism should result with me again being like, everybody hates me and I should just stop doing this forever. It's like, no, no, no. 
some criticism, like you were saying, is from people who are just like, I don't like you, I don't like this opinion, da da da. And then I can stand firm and know when I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, this is how I feel, I'm not changing it. But then on the flip side, then there's been so much that when I stepped into this podcast, the vast amount of things that I've learned that I was like not educated on, it's, it's endless. And we have, you've got a hundred thousand people giving you, like there's, there are experts in there in some random topic. Exactly. And I feel <laughs> I'm so grateful for that because I'm like, oh my goodness, I feel the privilege to be able to then have access to that, even when it can be painful sometimes, because where I was before, I, I probably wouldn't have had that access to this. Yeah, so like, I always, that. We, we kind of both have similar content in that it's like, I'm going to show up the best I can pretty much every day. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be an expert in every conversation, but I'm also not selling snake oil to people. Like I'm, you know, these are, we're just talking, these are words. Right. And I think that's why podcast continues to be so important. Just like a lot yeah. of standup is, is because in a world where everything else is being buttoned up and edited, it is still a long form conversation that makes it so hard to misconstrue someone's heart and their intention. Yes. And you've got, your heart and intention are just very clearly a positive one. It's not a cynicism you have or a low energy. It's hard to explain what a low energy is until you feel somebody who's just ugh, so much pain they have. Yeah. So it's interesting that you come from a world that you're not no longer a part of, uh, a purity culture, but you've brought from it love that probably wasn't given to you in those younger judgment years. Yeah, I think um, I... I your words mean a lot. I really appreciate them. I, I think that, um, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of love that was, uh, around and I am, I'm like, Oh, I, I love love. (laughs) It was always like Jessica, she's super dramatic. She's reading all her romantic things. She's passing out everywhere. It's always the drama. And I just, I love the, that feeling of like, the ecstasy of the community and being around people and being excited for things. And I think a lot of that too comes from with some of my mental health struggles that I do try my best to like savor those moments and be like, we're good right now. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's all hug. Like, I want to have that moment a lot of Hold times. Hold on to this. Yeah. Bottle it up, boys. Exactly, exactly. And oh, so... I'm that way. Bottle it up. Put it in the freezer, freeze dry it, save that compliment. <laughs> oh, I'm and my like... mom will write me a simple note. And I'm like, I guess I'm saving this forever. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> I literally like in my notes app, I have, if you know, my mom will say something like nice to me when I see her, I'll like go in the bathroom and write it down and keep it in my notes app. Cause I'm like, oh, oh, oh it means so much to me. The um, conversation yeah. I had with my mom without dialogue for the the mother-son dance at our wedding. Oh, my gosh. No words. Mm-hmm. Just could, like, could just feel this uh, just burden gone. Yeah. And I didn't have a big issue with my mom. I still don't. But she, you know, she, she left my dad when she was pregnant with me. So she's just had this sort of blue collar burden where she's always felt like she maybe wasn't good enough. You know, all these things that like, we'll tell her all day long. This is, wasn't the case, but she's her being a part of that beautiful wedding was just another like petal peeled away mm-hmm. and lifted off getting closer to that. Just bliss. That's like, look, our parents age, they're, they're not getting younger. 
you know, we're at the age where it's like, all right, we're still having issues. We'll work it out. But like, I want, I want those days when they're numbered to be like, we all figured it out Mm -hmm. and what she felt the way she was raised. And like you said before, breaking that chain of, you know, shame and fear, like everything's fear-based. We don't live in that world anymore where we need to be so afraid all the time. Mm. We need to like flourish. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by, you know, letting our parents, you know, not making them feel bad for the decisions they made, but, you know, sharing your boundaries of this is how I felt. And it might not be received well right away, but in the end, you just, you just, none of it matters. None of, none of that matters. And just, you love love. <laughs> I love love. I love love. And I, thanks for sharing that about your mom. I, 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 um, she's just been on such a journey the last year. It's so amazing. Such a journey. Or two years, a couple years. That yeah. you're then able to be a part of that now and to be like at our age and witness that is mm. like a gift that like, I know now, um, raising my daughter, seeing my mom in her process is like, oh my God, like I have, I have my mom on one side, my daughter on the other and growth can continue from like the start of life to the end. My, my grandma, uh, passed away, um, about a week ago. And one of the things about my, my grandma, oh no, it's, you know, she's, she was in her nineties and, um, so she had lived a long life and she went to sleep and was feeling good and she drifted off to a dream and that's how she went and um one of the things about her is that she never stopped growing and it was always such a motivation to to me she had a really intense upbringing and life and she always extended so much love and grace and was the person in our like life who was like the cheerleader and who always would let us know how much she loved us. That was like the one person in the family who was just like this beacon of like, I'm going to let you know how I feel about you every time I see you. And now that she's gone, there's this realization of like what a huge gift that was. And so to me, I'm like, I just want to continue that legacy to make sure that whenever I see someone, because you never know that I let them know like how much they mean to me. Yeah. I'm carrying that light. Yeah. Just goes, you just carry it on. And how I've, I've always been curious Mm -hmm. becoming a mom. What did that do to your mental health journey? And Mm -hmm. like, what, like did it, did you feel any shifts happen when you, when you had something bigger than you to worry about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I will say the biggest thing about becoming a mom for me was, of course, there are these things where you're like, it it humbles you, it it brings this new reality into life, and you're thinking about this other little one and how much you love them. Um, One of the biggest standout things for me when my daughter came into the world is I was like, oh my God, there's another chance. Like, there's a chance and a life, and how amazing to be able to try to create a life that you always wanted for this little human being. Mm. Um, and that was what pushed me, um, 
every day through the infancy period, which, you know, it's, shout out to the moms. Like it it's is scary. And it's, and by I the mean, way, I not dealt with it. It's <laughs> scary. It's a lot. And, and let me say this, when I say it pushed me every day, like there were a lot, it's like, that was, you know, the mo the flicker in, in, in my eye, but just so much like, oh my gosh, I'm failing at this and failing at that. And then there's, you know, we live in a world where there's moms are, you know, parental figures can be so underappreciated and, um, it's so sad too. Cause I you yeah. know, come from a single mom who went right back to work and mm-hmm. she didn't have child support and like, she just missed out. And that's why I'm happy now because she's living this family life that she didn't quite have yeah. when she needed it. But it's like, we, we should live in a world where dear mom and dad get to spend months with you when you're born. I know. And even after that, still not be consumed with work and all these things. And that, I mean, for me personally, that's what we're striving to do is like, we work from home and if we have a kid, we want, we want to be just like, you know, just there to, to, mm-hmm. to embrace every step of the way. And maybe that'll be the benefit of us waiting a little bit because we wouldn't have had the ability to do that a few years right. ago. No, our healthcare system, it's just like, just a disaster. There should be the ability for parental figures to to especially postpartum don't get me started I mean a whole thing but then but then you know parents moms like like yours who went to work every day because she loved you so much and it was like of course that was like so difficult but like that's then the ultimate gift that she's giving you is it's like I'm sure they'd rather be time spent with you but it's like I gotta provide and yeah. so many different stories of different parenting you and, realize that as you age, you go, oh yeah, that, there's so many examples of times when these selfless things were done for you that you don't get to know, which I can understand why then parents could be bitter. Like, do you not know what I did for you? <laughs> for sure. Because it's like, when we do stuff for others, we build resentment because that's not healthy either. Totally. And it's about like, I mean, we, uh, we're, uh, we, you know, our dog's getting old and we're just like, oh, he shit in that thing again. <laughs> we're like, oh, we love him. It's okay. He doesn't know any better. Of you know? course. And then of course, then there's the defensiveness too, because when you love someone so much and then they tell you that, you know, you've hurt them or you made a mistake, it's hard not to. By the way, am I close to your house? Yeah. Okay, let's do another lap or two and then I'll uh, send you home. Um, I just, I knew you'd have success coming off of Chatty Broads, but obviously it's your life and your world. So how did it feel knowing Chatty Broads was ending and you were going to turn that into your own podcast with your husband? How did that journey feel uh, of the unknown? And then when it paid off, how did that feel? I mean, it was, it was all the feelings, <laughs> like a blender. I was grieving because I was like sad to see it end, but also full of pride because of the way that Becca and I ended it. And the fact that we were like, we see that this is kind of coming to a close and we want to wrap it like in friendship and not, you know, just keep going when we see the end in sight and potentially like step into something that might, you know, what if all of a sudden we kept pushing ourselves and then we ended up getting in a fight. I mean, whatever. So I, there was like the grief, the pride, but then there was the fear. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, here's Becca. She's been so successful in this franchise. Is anyone going to want to listen afterwards? If I go and carry on, uh, on my own merry way. Did you have imposter syndrome? Oh, big time. Yeah. I've yeah. been talking about this a lot with Tasha where I'm like, I, I did it 
for so long with no payoff that I've got about damn time syndrome. <laughs> I feel like as a millennial, you're like, like it better be. Do I, uh, do I feel like I didn't earn it? About damn time. <laughs> but with that, I think you can feel both ways. I think you can feel like, no, what's mine is mine, but also feel like, all right, is this puppy going to work without the alumni, with the verified bachelor alumni that was part of your show? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was just, I was so grateful that Becca was down to the podcast and then the fact that it became lucrative and then became a business. I was like, are you joking? This is amazing. And it, and I I was just like, I I had so much gratitude for that. And I also was like, okay, I know that the audience came because they knew Becca and they loved Becca and they wanted to hear what Becca had to say. And of course, then we grew this community from that, but yeah, sure. The imposter syndrome was huge where it's just like, when she leaves is, is it's all going to be gone. And, um, you know, I am so grateful and was so overwhelmed when so many people continued to listen. I, Evan and I had a conversation before we dropped the first episode and it was like, we need to, we need to have the conversation now of why are we doing this? If this is about, let's get a paycheck and let's just keep pushing this thing, then we're not doing it for the right reason. And even if we do, if if it is successful, then we're not going to be happy. We're like, we have to know and start this off on the foot of if it tanks and there's only a few people that are listening that we want to have fun and this is what we want to do. And it's going to be a new adventure in our marriage and a new adventure in life. And let's see where it goes. And so we did our best to focus on that, put that energy into it first episode and people listened and we're so grateful and we're just, I mean, we're having so much fun. I love working with him. Great. Um, Which most couples probably cannot say that. <laughs> it's, you know, here's the thing. He still has like a full-time job elsewhere. Yeah. So that probably is helpful where it's not like 24 seven, you know, we do a few episodes together every single week. Um, and we'd also been, you know, in that flow for a long time because he was the one who did like all the production and audio and everything with Chatty Broad. So we'd been working together for oh, years. It's seamless. The fact that he, you've got such great technical aspects to it. And he, most people that are good with tech aren't good on camera. <laughs> so for him to do both and for both of you to come together, it is. Can I relate this to a very stupid sports analogy? Please. So I I'm, don't know if I'll understand it, but go ahead. Okay, so I'm 38. <laughs> I still play in a men, men's baseball league. Okay. And not, not only do I play, I pitch, which is like, you're not supposed to be doing this. It's It redlines your arm. It's painful. It's just my butt muscles like pulled. Right. Everything everything that can go wrong goes wrong. I'm okay. like an old car. When <laughs> like I might not be old in the grand scheme of things, but in baseball, I am ancient. Listen, I feel the 30-plus body pain. It's a real thing. Yeah, it changes. <laughs> I, I soak my in um, Icy Hot and Ben Gay and stuff before I play. Like, it's it's a thing. So I'm pitching on Sunday, or this past weekend, and I was doing really well, and I'm surprised because I decided to stop trying 100%, and I'm just like, I'm going to go 80%. I don't want to injure myself. And my 80% was enough. Mm-hmm. And not only was it enough, it was actually better than my 100%. It was better than my obsessive oh I walked this guy I'm gonna da, 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 and then I hit the next guy so I'm up there yesterday and or over the weekend and I'm, I'm just getting into some trouble it's a guy on third base and we're only up by two runs and I'm thinking is this the part where I'm gonna implode because I kind of implode a lot 
when it comes to stuff like that. I implode. Yeah. And I and I just told myself, Dave, you've been making your pitches. You've been throwing strikes. Everything's been working along the way. Just keep doing what you're doing. And this level of confidence that I felt, and again, this is just an analogy for life. It doesn't have to be about baseball. But in this instance, it was. This level of confidence I felt in detachment from needing to prove success because I knew success was about to come because I was making all the pitches. Mm-hmm. So you've proven that you can make all the pitches. You've proven that you can, that you're going to hit your spots and do all the things that's going to lead to a successful podcast. So it's no surprise to me when it just perfectly works out, even though it may be something where you're holding your breath. And it just comes to like having that, that belief in yourself. Mm. And I kind of feel like that's something that comes with age when you're younger and to go back to baseball, you've got the fastball. And then you lose the fastball, but you learn how to, to use the, the tools that you have that get you into a better position. That baseball example was so good. Oh, good. <laughs> that was such a good example. It's I was such like, a st- so I'm like, I don't know, baseball, I don't know if I'm going to follow. Yes, it's, I mean, a thousand percent, and I appreciate the compliment. Are, but you, like, are you this way? I'm this way, okay, yeah. Sorry. Um, but I, yeah, it's that idea of almost when you're talking about the hundred percent, it's like when you hold on to something too tight. It's like too tight and you loosen your grip a little bit. It's like if you're a salesperson, you're like, I need to sell this. Yeah. Well, the, the person's going to be like, oh, boy. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's too like much. You have to be confident in yeah. the, in the, in what, in for you, what your podcast, what you're selling, just to wrap it all up. It is, it is love. You're selling love and your audience buys it. And I'm just very appreciative that you sent me that voice note and that we've become friends. Oh, I so, this is, this means so much. And I so appreciate you. And you know, I'm like, I've been a fan for a long time. And I will say too, as someone who watched you on YouTube for a long time, that when we met, I was like, you're so, you're so funny and so kind. And you make, you connect everybody in the room. You're the type of person that like we want in our atmosphere, genuinely. And so grateful that like we met in this world and I mean, I think you're, you're the next big thing to me. I'm like, there's going to be, I don't know if talk shows are dying, like the, the Jimmy <laughs> Fallon, I think, but whatever that next iteration is, that's Dave. Well, hopefully it's not in the car. We <laughs> I mean, I'm all about it. Well, cheers. And thanks for doing driving with Dave. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Oh, you're the best. All right. I appreciate Jess so much for doing this driving with Dave. We just kept on talking. We were having a good conversation and it went double the length it's supposed to. But hey, that's what a good convo can do, right? I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know. Leave a comment. Make sure to rate this podcast if you haven't already and share it with your friends. We really appreciate all the growth we can get from word of mouth. And don't forget, if you want to watch this episode, it'll be on YouTube tomorrow. And I've got about a 20 minute behind the scenes that I shot immediately after this interview with Jess. And then once she left my own recap of this interview, and that's available exclusively on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. There's a link in the comment section. If you want to check that out. All right. Have a fantastic weekend. As they say, do something I wouldn't do. And then some, and we'll talk to you guys later. I've been Dave Neal. This was bachelor rush hour. (laughs) 